Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast will include mature themes and scenes. This actual play uses the Delta Green role-playing game rules by Arc Dream Publishing. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your handler. You're all cordially invited to a night at the opera. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Old Ways Podcast, where we are back playing Impossible Landscapes, our Delta Green campaign for the Old Ways Podcast. And I am your handler, Michael Diamond. And so as we begin any episode, we'd like to thank you, the listening audience. And we would encourage you to investigate all that we are, because the only way out is through. One way you can do that is through our Patreon. And that's at patreon.com slash the old ways podcast. We encourage you to follow us on social media. I won't mention anything specifically because several media entities may be dead by the time you listen to this. But that's okay. You'll survive. Promise. I'm going to begin with introductions to my right. Hi, this is Miranda, and I play Agent Olivia Dartford in real life, Dr. Aaron Weber. And um, I just, I, Miranda, personally (laughs) am very interested in this night floors business. I really want to find out what that's all about. Going to become part of the show at some point. Two Agent Darford's right. Hello, I'm your friend Nate. I'm playing Elliot Winters, Diplomatic Services Special Agent for the U.S. Department of State, also known as Special Agent Oscar Bennett on this little trip. And you know, when things get stressful, there's nothing quite like a nice to-do list to work through to really calm the mind. Yeah, I'm sure after some of the stuff you've seen, especially in the basement recently, you might need a little calmer of a mind. Perhaps some some order, some categorization, mental guardrails, very useful. At the end of the table. Hi, this is Allie, and I play Agent Joanne Hart, also known as Agent Ophelia Ward. And I'm just working away slow and steady at this giant wall of epoxy bullshit. Yeah, as you're learning, uh, Agent Rhythm is very important. And since that's sort of a thing that you need to continue to do, there's only so many things, right? Eventually you'll get them all. And last, but most certainly not least. Hi, my name is Tegan, and I'm playing Brett Hawking, Young Buck, NCIS agent. Indeed you are. So we're going to raise our curtain tonight as two of our characters are leaving the McAllister, or at least leaving Abigail's apartment. So to get some clarity on where Agent Dartford and where Agent Bennett are headed to, before I step them out into the New York City late afternoon, I want to make sure that that's where they want to go. And if it is, maybe they can let us know where they're headed to. We were going to check out the art gallery, this art life place. Okay. Maybe see if we can find anything about Lachance. 
work on that list that Bennett's got uh, until it gets a little later and then once it's dark times come back. Yeah, so it's not far. Art Life is located over off of 23rd Street and 3rd Avenue East. Uh, Not terribly far, actually, from the McAllister building. You can walk there, uh, which is nice. It's not terribly close, but, you know, after two or three New York City blocks, maybe a quick stop to grab something to eat along the way, just from one of the street vendors or local shops nearby, because guys are probably famished at this point. But you roll up to the the Art Life building, we'll just say about five o'clock. And this looks like a small office. The hours posted looks like it's open for maybe another hour, Monday through Friday. And, well, it's a corporate space that seems to cater to artists. Artists of many types, paintings, sculptures. But this is pretty clean. This is nothing like the McAllister. Ben, this is this is a little corporate. This this seems like uh, upscale stuff. The McAllister building is old. And uh, you walk through this place just to end of the lobby. As you walk up towards the secretary's desk, you can tell that furnishings in here are probably less than a couple years old. All the electronics in here are updated. The carpet. Looks fresh and new. Somebody cares about this art life building. That's for sure. Out of character. The report mentions she did this show at the Mercury. Is this the same thing? It's not. Okay. So this is the art life building. This is from, at least from what you've picked up along the way, this is the company that owns the McAllister. Okay. Cool. Cool. The uh, bright, young secretary looks up from her uh, receptionist desk and smiles and says, Welcome to Art Life. How can I help you? Pull out the FBI badge (laughs) awkwardly because I'm not uh, used to doing it. I'm giving you an encouraging nod as you're doing the whole Fed thing. Hey, uh, oh, uh, FBI agent uh, Dartford here. So we're looking into just some information on Abigail Wright's disappearance. And, you know, she lived at the McAllister and you guys own it. Um, so we were wondering if uh, you had any information or if anyone we could talk to you. We're looking for like maybe the super. Um, yeah. So the uh, young lady behind the desk seems to swallow very hard seeing the FBI badge. And she leans back a little bit in the chair, almost visually intimidated by the presence of of the badge. And she says, um, okay, let let me get... She sort of looks around on the desk in a a little bit of a a panic. And she says, uh, let let, let, let me me get Cynthia on the phone. She picks up the receiver. Ma'am, is that Cynthia Lachance by chance? Yes, yes, it is. She dials a number. Yes, I am. Um, the FBI is here. I think it's about uh, Abigail. Okay, okay, okay. She very shakily sets the phone down. Um, she'll be right up. If you'd, if you'd like to take a seat, she'll, she'll be right up. Hey, uh, quick question. Has 
Has Art Life ever employed a Mr. Uh, Castigue ever? Do you have him in your Rolodex or notes or the payroll or anything? She looks a little confused. I, I really just answer the phone and take appointments. I, I, oh, you'd probably want to ask Cynthia. Okay. Well, usually, I mean, I feel like the secretary is like the lifeblood of the office. You know, you see all the comings and goings here and. You would think. I, I don't think I've heard of that person, though. Okay. So you see a probably five foot ten African-American woman walk into the space, strides across the floor, very confident. She's wearing a business blazer, probably with some shoulder pads and uh, black slacks. She wears heels, but not too high. She has a pair of uh, gold earrings that sort of dangle on her ears and stretches her hand out towards you, Bennett. Cynthia, a little chance. How can I help you? And I'll hesitate. And I won't take her hand immediately, and I'll sort of give a little bit of a side eye to Dartford, see what happens. Dartford will stick her hand down instead. She turns to you and shakes your hand, Agent Dartford. Uh, hello. Um, yes, um, Ms. Mrs. Lachance. Uh, we're here just asking about Abigail Wright. Um, you, Artlef, you guys, you own the McAllister building, correct? Let's talk privately, if you don't mind. Ah, uh, absolutely. She gestures back the way she came, and she walks you across, uh, even though it's a small office, it's a very, fairly wide main floor area. There isn't a lot of extra furniture in here. It's mostly paintings, sculptures, and spaces for those two types of items. It's fair, fairly an exclusive art space. She walks into a small office that has two chairs. She walks behind the desk and sits down. And Pretty nice place you have here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're, um, we're working on it, that's for sure. Yeah. It seems like with the facilities this nice, you'd uh, be better able to take care of, uh, you know, the McAllister building or I'm assuming other residences that you own. She winces a little. Unfortunately, the McAllister building is uh, a little bit of a tough customer. Why is that? Let me ask you, how familiar are you with uh, New York City codes when it comes to apartments? Oh, not at all. Well, she turns to her bookshelf and extracts an enormous thick tome and then sort of lets it wump on her desk. This is the most recent volume. There are several more that I could interest you if you uh, end up needing a, a solution for insomnia. But I'll boil it down to less than a paragraph. The McAllister building was built in an era in the city that requires its tenants to agree to certain, well, truths. If we want to work on the building, on the exterior, on the interior, if we want to perform upgrades like we have been asking to do, renovations, then any tenants have to agree to it. Because these renovations would include raising the rent. Mm. And Cynthia McAllister has been rent controlled for a very, very long time. 
we haven't been able to get that done. So it's like a co-op. That's interesting. So I'd assume that uh, residents that live there, they probably... I'm sorry. Uh, I'm Agent uh, Oscar Bennett. Work with, obviously, Agent Dartford. But I assume it, your residents there probably stick around for quite a while. Hmm. Rent-controlled jewel in the middle of the city. That's, that's hard to find. Well, ArtLife is particularly interested in giving new artists a fighting chance, especially when it comes to being in in and around cultural centers of the city. We think that it's the best influence for them. It's important to understand that we're, we're a nonprofit. I, I know that you see the art out there and you probably think that we have a lot of money. That That's not the way it works. We do what we can through donations to make sure that rent stays low. And so artists can continue to live and breathe in the city here. If we push them all out to the boroughs or to New Jersey, the culture will go there too. Hmm, that makes sense. Is, it, is there any art on display in your headquarters here from any of our McAllister residents? We do have a couple of pieces from former residents, yes. But not current residents then? Mm, no. She frowns a little bit. The current residents are not the easiest to deal with. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. You're obviously investigating Bright's disappearance, as you said. Abigail was, well, she was somebody we thought was going to be around the McAllister for a long time. Someone that was willing and interested to, to get the renovations done, to give a fresh face to that piece of property. But she went missing and with the police and now the FBI. It doesn't look good for the McAllister, unfortunately. Have you been by her place there and seen it? I saw it a few months ago. I... What did you think of that? Her eyes go really big and... Not impressed then. I don't think that would align with the renovations. Well, it's worse than that, though. How so, ma'am? I have visited the building on a couple of different occasions. I tried to talk to the tenants. Nobody will speak with me. We're actually really eager to get into the building and do those renovations. We'd, we'd hope to get it started and have it completed by 797, which is an aggressive timeline here in the city. I've never had to evict a whole building at once. But the insides of some of those apartments, I'll just say that I might have to have the health department in. And you've got the entire population of this apartment. They're, they're pretty much all aligned don't touch anything, don't come in and change anything. That's right. Huh. So you're not doing any work in there right now? You ain't got any phone system upgrades or changes going on in there by chance? No, no upgrades or changes. In fact, we had to have some disconnections done because several of the residents stopped paying their bills. Well, let me, let me stop beating around a bush. Uh, we noticed... We noticed a, a phone get uninstalled. It was there, I think, yesterday and maybe the day before. And we noticed overnight it had been uninstalled. You're saying that's not an official repair. Maybe that was something done. You don't know. You don't have any idea what what that was about. No. I guess I might ask with all the stuff that I saw inside of Wright's apartment. Maybe the phone turned up there. 
NYPD said that she had stuff all over the walls. That's all I know. Well, I'll tell you, if you had seen it before we started working on cleaning it up, you might have wanted to take the entire apartment as it was and just install it as an art installation down here. Call it an audio-visual walkthrough experience. It's uh, it's like nothing I've ever seen. Out of curiosity, has uh, anyone by the name of Castigue worked or lived at the building before? She goes into a desk and takes out a, a folder and accordions it out and starts leafing through it. What did, what did you say the name was? Uh, Castigue. Uh, C-A-S-T-A-I-G-U-E, I believe. Hmm. No? No? Hmm. I don't see anybody here like that. You got that file. What about a Mark Rourke? R-O-A-R-K. Rourke. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He dives back into it. I don't see a Rourke here. So strange. Do you know anything about... Um, I'm sorry. Um, Maybe changing the subject. Do you know anything about this art show that Abigail sold some pieces at? Place called the Mercury Gallery? Yeah. Did you see any of those pieces? I did. I did. Fantastic pieces, actually. So it was, it was like normal art, like on canvases and such. I'm sorry, normal? Well, what I mean is it wasn't it wasn't random material glued to her apartment wall style art. It was it was something that you could actually buy in a in a gallery. Oh, yes. Yes. So uh, my understanding is that several pieces were sold after that expose, after she had that art expose. Uh, she did fairly well afterwards. That's what she told me. We, we, we got a report here. She sold 15 pieces. And that, to me, that seems like a lot for a new artist to sell at one show. Is that a lot? Generally speaking, yes. We wouldn't normally see that many pieces sold at any one art show, but Abigail was talented. Um, plus, you have to understand, this is New York City, so we see all sorts of eccentric buyers who will come in and you know, put their hands on everybody's pieces and say, I want everything. Like buying around at the bar. Interesting, yeah. From what I understand, Abigail did fairly well after that showing. Would you have uh, details about that show, or would that be something we should check with the Mercury Gallery for direct? Yeah, the Mercury Gallery would have any sort of receipts for those purchases and who they might have gone to. It's a shame for an up-and-coming artist have a success like that and then take this right turn into whatever whatever it has turned into she's a young and beautiful girl unfortunately and you just don't know not in this city outside of rent from them uh, is there any other way that you I guess profit off the artist's work no as a non profit we're strictly forbidden from making any money, any income based on any art they did. Even if someone were to come into the, the space here and want to purchase three or four pieces by any one of the artists that we support, we wouldn't be able to take any of that in as income. You seem to be doing pretty well for yourselves, though. We're well supported. We're lucky that this area of town still believes that art resonates and has a voice with the people. 
You said uh, earlier that um, I'm just remembering none of the tenants would, would would talk to you or whatever. We talked to a uh, oh, what was his name? Thomas, I believe. Thomas Manuel, maybe. You know Thomas? Uh, certainly. Tenant on the ground floor. He had nice things to say. Um, said the super let him do all sorts of, of his art down in the basement and everything like that. The super? Yeah. Yeah, he said he had felt very supported. He said the building super was very happy to let him. Uh, his his we, we saw his apartment. I'll tell you what, that's an apartment you won't have to worry about. It looked like a... a, a hotel room at the Ramada. The super lets him do all of, all of his art downstairs in his storage unit in the basement. And we took a peek down there and is right. There's a whole whole bunch of work doing there. So that seems nice. So so you've talked to him? I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, let me stop you for a moment. The super. Who, who, who do you mean? Well, that's... We thought that was you. Aren't you, aren't you the super at the McAllister? I'm, I'm the person that maintains it, yes. So if a resident at the, at, at the McAllister is like, oh, I got to call the super, my air conditioner is broke, would they call you? Is that you? We, we just assume it's you. Certainly they, w- they would call the office here, but I don't call myself the superintendent. I would never use that title. Huh. Well, maybe that's just New York artists. That's how they talk, maybe. But if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Darford, as... Is that where that name Casta you came from? Was it was it Mr. Manuel? It certainly was, Bennett. And you 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 don't you don't know who that is, Miss Lachance. I have never heard of that name before. We don't have any manager other than me. Well, what do you think, Darford? This seems get stickier every question we ask. Yeah, uh, seems like we have a lot of well, a lot of questions without answers is bigger issue um i'm assuming we can get a hold of you here any time certainly she leans forward and gives you her card thank you oh i'm sorry one more thing i just it just came to mind Have, when you talk about the McAllister, is there any uh maybe the residents say this or maybe it's do you know ever heard of anything called the night floors does that ring any bells no i i haven't are there any public rooms or gathering? Is there like a gathering space for the residents, maybe? Like the smoking lounge or the parlor? No, no. I mean, maybe a long, long time ago. I mean, the McAllister is a fairly old building back in early 1900s, but it's always been just as it's constructed now, which is why we're trying so hard to renovate it. Yeah, I understand. Has it always been the McAllister building then? Or did it have another name, maybe? It's always been the McAllister as far as I'm aware. Fair. That's fair. Man, you've been you've been real helpful. I really do appreciate the time. Well, good luck. Um, if you're going to go to the gallery, you'll probably have to do it tomorrow. They close about four o'clock. Looks like we'll put it in the calendar. So, Agents Dartford and Bennett, you're going to leave there and head where? As we're walking out, I do want to k- take a close peek at all the pieces of art and see if see if the art looks at all familiar or creepy or weird, or if any of the names maybe look familiar. Just trying to connect what she said that, oh, no, no current residents, but some old residents, but any names or anything that might trigger anything. You look through the art, the sculptures, 
the paintings. There's even a mural on one wall, a short one, a small one, but it takes up a wall. You don't really find anything compelling in any of the pieces here. Uh, on the way out, there's a picture of what looks like Art Life's board, which is a, a collection of artists and Cynthia and then an older gentleman who you're not familiar with. This picture was probably taken a, a few years ago. It's in a shadow boxed frame on the wall. Somebody took some care in preparing it. And you see that Cynthia is wearing a like a dark, darker blazer than she has on today. And her hair is up. And with her hair up, you notice that she's wearing these same sort of bangly earrings. And Bennett You've seen that symbol in her earrings before. It makes a strange shape. And they're just hanging there. And Dartford, Bennett stops at this photo on the wall. And he tilts his head a little bit and just stares at it. Bennett, Bennett, are you okay? Tell me, Darford, have you seen these earrings before? Have I seen those earrings before? You take a look at them. Do they look like a strange symbol on a piece of paper that we found, possibly? They do. Except that these are recreations in metal. And the symbols look a little different than the one you saw on the paper, but it's it's similar. And you get a feeling that it, it resonates the same sort of message. I get the feeling that Chance is it telling us everything, Bennett? You may be a doctor, but you got them federal agent instincts. You guys leave Art Life, headed for where to? What's next on your list, there, Bennett? I got a, I got an itch. I'm going to find a payphone. It's probably one right there. They're probably everywhere. Not far. There's a whole bank of them right there. And I pull out the book underneath, uh, flip open the plastic shield, page through it, looking for the Mercury Gallery and phone number for that. And I'm, if I can find that, I'm going to plug a quarter in and dial the Mercury Gallery. Okay. You dial the gallery. It rings two or three times and then eventually an answering machine picks up. A uh, older gentleman's voice comes on the line and greets you and asks you to leave your name and number and the lot number if you are picking up an item or a uh, any inquiries uh, the details therein machine beeps uh, hello this is uh, special agent oscar bennett i am working on a missing persons case this person uh, had an art show with with y'all a while back did very well and i need to talk to someone at the gallery that could tell me some details about uh, this show, uh, the show was with a woman named Abigail Wright. My number is, give my number, which is just a couple digits off the FBI field office number in New York City, and ask them to call me at their earliest convenience anytime. Okay. You leave a message. I'm gonna move camera back to the McAllister. Agent O'Neill and Agent Ward, you are continuing your work to unearth things. And as you continue your work, 
uh, you do come across another object. This is positioned near a corner in Abigail's apartment. The both of you come upon it roughly around the same time because you're both clearing in the same space. You find a, a backpack-sized camo green radio. Wait, like a military one? Yeah. So uh, it does look like there's a, a fairly thick coating of uh, this amber resin that fastens this thing to the wall. But the uh, control panel and the telephone remain fairly free. Hey, Ward, do you see this shit? Yeah. I don't think that's normal for a civilian to have. What, so what is it? What is it? What is it exactly? Can I look all over it? Uh, you can look all over it, yes. Let me see here. You have... You would have the model number. So this is a uh, TA-132 field telephone. TA-132. Do I know what that means? Do I, do I know anything about that? TA-312 phone. Uh, it's a two-wire battery-operated field telephone. Military like phone, like a backpack phone. Yep. Like what era? This is probably Korea, Vietnam. What? Okay. And you said that you said that the the handle is like is is free. Yeah. So is the control panel. Oh, that's cool. I'm gonna start pushing buttons on it, and then I'm gonna pick up the receiver, and I'm gonna be like, uh, moshi moshi. Just to play with it. You can pick up the receiver. Say Moshi Moshi into it. You hear Moon. And I'm just saying to the receiver, I'm like, what? India. There's somebody talking on the phone. Dalian. You're a blast of static. Ah, fuck. Okay, yeah, I'm putting that shit down. Okay. This thing works. Give it to me. Okay, yeah, I'm handing it to I'm handing it to I'm handing it to Ward. It like so so okay, can I take a second to write down those words? Yeah. You can hand hand her the receiver. You heard Moon India Dalian. So Ward, you have the receiver and you mostly hear static. I'm going to you know, use the call button. Okay. Hello? There's a little static and then you hear Exeter. Charlie. Moon. Delta. You hear static. Well, I don't think that this is our traditional alphabet to communicate something. What did you hear? Exeter and moon. All right, I already got moon. So there's two moons. It starts and ends with moon. Okay. A new moon. All right. Uh, can we can we make it say anything else if I push more buttons? The two of you can continue to investigate the phone for a little while. It repeats many of the same phrases. It also gives you an awful lot of static. So you it has a model number. Does it have like does it have like a name on it, like a name tape? Does it have like a serial number? It does have a serial number. Can we get the serial number? Serial number 5XZ. 
Delta, Victor, Charlie, Six. The two of you do spend a little time with the radio because it gets exciting. You're really not certain where the voice is coming from, but there is a voice occasionally on the other end that says strange words. O'Neill, you want to use this for a while and I'll keep uh, digging? You can take a break. Yeah, I want to chip it off the wall. Can we do that? It's a backpack phone. I want to I chip it off the wall. Yeah. Okay. You begin working and chipping it off the wall. Um, when you work and chip it off the wall, O'Neill, uh, it eventually comes away from the wall. When it does, the the split that happens in the device cracks the battery compartment and battery acid drops all over you. You take a point of damage. There's now battery acid all over the floor here and over your clothing. Ah, shit. Ah, it's fuck, fuck, fuck. And I'm just going to like wipe wipe my hands off and then I'm going to like run and see if there's running water any anywhere in here. You run into the bathroom and you begin trying to get it off your skin with water. Just so you're clear, Ward, the acid that's dripping, that's dripped all over this battery has begun to settle and into the floorboards. Fuck, I'm going to regret this so much later. I'm going to whip off my blazer and put it on top of that battery acid because I want it seeping into the floor, especially if there's something underneath this that we might need to catalog. Okay. So uh, I'll just ask Dartford and Bennett, where were you headed? So we could maybe go to the New York City Research Library. We could see if we can find out anything about this Hotel Broad Albin, which is one of those clues. I love a good library. And that's, that is genuine excitement in Agent Harper's voice. You guys are going to hit the New York Research Library. So what exactly are you looking for within the Research Library? We'll, we'll do our best to condense this portion. Yeah, the Hotel Broad Albin. And then maybe one of us takes on that and one of us takes on just history of the McAllister building and see if we can figure out art life, what happened before art life. Okay, fair enough. One of you is going to be very, very happy. And one of you is going to be very, very upset. All right, so Agent Weber, you begin doing a little research into the Hotel Broadalbin. Over the next hour or so, you turn up exactly buckkiss about anything in the city ever called the Broad Alpen. There's no record of it, at least in the research library, that, you, that you've gotten a hold of. Uh, you go through master lists of records of hotels. You go back and forth between multiple decades. You're tracking down very, very helpful librarians because that's what librarians are. They're super helpful. And you don't come across a whole lot. So for you, Agent Bennett, otherwise known as Agent Winters, you find a bevy of information about the McAllister building. So city records date this beginning as a private residence for a gentleman by the name of Henry M. Lundine. He built it in a classic brownstone style, it says. There's an addendum here, at least in the original paperwork, on March 2nd, 1953, that shows 
the Lundine house being retrofitted as an apartment building. Everything seems to be in order here. Permits, papers, paperwork, etc. It doesn't look like anybody crossed anything off their list of, oh, we don't need this part. Let's just work around. Everything was done by the book. The architect is listed as uh, A period Darabondi. It looks like City Records probably has a copy of the blueprints. You'd probably have to go to the City Records in New York City's uh, in City Hall during business hours to get to get a hold of them. That's the big chunk of what you get about the McAllister is at one point it was somebody's house and it got retrofitted in the 50s to an apartment building. You also find um, you find record one last record you find and that's in 1967 and it looks like the McAllister building was sold to a company called Star Corporation. And it looks like they're a Delaware holding company. And then you eventually find record of its sale to Art Life uh, later on. Any pictures or maps or anything like that in any of these records that I could correlate with the weird map that we found? There are some drawings that have some similarities to the map that you've drawn, um, but they're at best, there are photocopies, mimeographs, etc. of that. There's no real definition or detail. And remind me, how, how many stories does this thing have? Uh, three total. So ground floor, first floor, second floor. And based on what I'm reading here, it looks like it always has had three stories. As far as you can tell. Actually, as far as records show, yes. Hey, Darford, this used to be someone's house. I mean, that's not surprising. I think that happens a lot is it a classic brownstone style still is that what that looks like yep did you find out who's who owned it some uh some guy called henry in lumdine then it got sold well rich fitted as an apartment building it got sold to something that ain't creepy at all called the star corporation and then and then art life picked it up it would make sense then this, well, it's always been three stories. So this fourth story don't make sense, but this parlor, this smoking lounge kind of thing. I mean, it was used to be someone's house. Isn't outside the realm of possibility. What about this hotel? What'd you find out about it? No, I didn't find anything out about it. Nothing at all? Nothing at all. Well, you know, sometimes they teach us finding absolutely nothing at all is, is as much of a pointer towards something that you need to check out is finding something. Yeah. That's strange. Maybe it's just some made up thing then. I don't know. It's that I find that hard to believe though. Me too. I wonder if we if there's anything about this Henry Lum died if he was a weirdo or something. Just saying. We need to look into his history at some point. Do we have time now or are we we tapped out. It, it looks getting pretty late for the library here. But you did get your wish today, and it's dark now, and so maybe it's worth going back and talking to some folks at the building. If nothing else, you can maybe at least check in with Ward and O'Neill and make sure everything is okay. Yeah, we'll head, head back if then it's okay with that and I'll pine for a hot dog the whole way. Just want a hot dog real bad. Abigail's apartment... When you step back through the door, Agent Bennett smells caustic. You hear the water running in the bathroom nearby. And if you didn't know any better, 
you'd hear sounds of somebody in pain. Ah! Shit. Everything okay in here? It's, it's me and Dufford. No, we cracked a freaking giant battery. It was on the wall. It's uh, it's all over me. Fudge. I'll follow the sound of this voice. Yeah, it doesn't take you long to find Agent O'Neill in the bathroom. It looks like uh, he's furiously scrubbing his hands under the water. Oh, yeah. I've also taken like my button-up shirt off, my jacket off. Bennett, you come in, and, and yes, um, you've had to take your shirt off, the the jacket, etc. You're getting it mostly out of your skin, um, but you feel the... I mean, he's he's you've definitely hurt yourself. Oh, Jesus. You okay there? No, I'm really fucking not okay. You have, like, baking soda. Is there, like, a bodega down the road? Can we get something... Can we get something basic? There is definitely a bodega down the road. I would imagine that Dartford being would immediately go into scientist neutralization containment mode when I saw this like scene unfolding. That I would be like all of the safety precautions, whatever. We're I'm sending people to get stuff that's going to neutralize this. And yeah, go grab some baking soda from the the, the place down the road. Dartford, do you think anything we brought back from that hardware store might? help with this battery burn I don't think it will and it's a laugh that is a laughable statement to Dart it's a real laugh it's the first time you've really heard Dartford laugh like made a funny joke she laughs and gives you a list a shopping list go get this and this oh for Christ's sake alright is this really this bad is this really this bad agent I'll walk out and go shopping for you if this is necessary Chemical burns are not a joke, Agent Bennett. Oh, son of a bitch. All right. And Agent Bennett will take the shopping list and go down to probably the same bodega that sells those really good chili cheese fries. Mm, absolutely. Uh, go down and, and and go shopping. What we'll do is we'll do in the movie business what we call a film wipe. And you'll have returned just moments later with the things that are necessary. And poured it all over me. Right. I hand you the bag. Ah, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm I'm laying things out. I've got gloves on. I'm preparing whatever gauze you were able to get at the bodega and, and getting everything set up to do like a full containment, like do a wrap and get everything taken care of. I'd like Agent Darford to roll first aid. Okay. I can't wait. It's a ninety-eight over one over ten. That's fantastic. So you get little more comfort, Agent O'Neill, than just the acid stopping to burn. You're not really sure that, you know, like field dressing is Agent Darford's core focus. Can I do it to myself? You probably can, yeah. So if you'd like to roll first aid for yourself, you certainly can. I don't just get it for 50%. Yeah, I suppose. Okay, thank God. So after you're bandaged up and you look like the Stay Puff man, at least on one hand, the four of you are back in the apartment. How was it while we were gone? Well, there's still a bunch of acid over here on the floor. I'll take whatever neutralizing chemical, too. I had a great time, but I really have to complain because Ward's personality was positively acidic. 
And here I thought we had a good time, Agent O'Neill. We did have a good time. Before I had chemical burns, we found this kick-ass, like, Korean, the Cold War-era radio. And we were picking up, like, some garbled local radio or something like that. And we got a couple of words out of it, but we couldn't really tell what it was. The words were super nonsensical. And if it was supposed to be, you know, a traditional alphabet like we use, none of the words matched up. M-I-D-E. Mid. Mid. There was another M. Midium. Yeah. Midium, medium. Moon India Dalian? What's a I don't know what a Dalian is. And then you and then Ward said that you heard Excalibur. I heard Exeter. And then I also got a moon. Yeah. You're saying these it was just saying these words, just these words singular? We turned it on, Agent Bennett just to see if it worked and it turned out it did and we spoke into it and we got uh some response not that any of it was coherent so when it replied to you though it would just reply with these single word is that what you're saying yeah reminds me of a number station y'all heard of a number station right agent i assume you're familiar oh i'm very familiar what the fuck is a number station? A uh, number station is basically just a station, usually on AM, that repeats a bunch of numbers in a continuous string, and it eventually repeats. And the whole point is that there is someone who is transmitting to someone else, and no one else will understand what it means except the person who is receiving it. Oh, uh, that's fucking weird. But now this thing's broke. Yeah, I tried to remove it off the wall. And um, it apparently was not structurally sound. We split the battery casing. We? You're the one who pried it off the wall. Yeah, it's just, well, you were fucking with it and you were pushing buttons and shit, so. Yeah, but I wasn't the one responsible for pulling it off the wall. So the acid got everywhere, and uh, and then you luckily, and that's when you arrived. Thank God. And I'm just glad no one got any in their eyes. That would have been a disaster. So, thanks something for the lucky lucky shot there. Yeah, it just totally ruined my manicure. So, you're all back in the building now. What's the next step? Um. Did y'all get any kind of rest? Uh, no. We went to that uh, art life place. Did you get anything interesting? Yeah. Um, we talked to that Lachance, the person that owns art life. She doesn't seem to know anything about anything, really. She gave us next to nothing. But there was a picture of her. And she had earrings that had that, uh, the symbol, the one that looked like this. And I'll kind of draw it out with my finger in the air. If you remember from the stuff we're looking through. 
So Abigail drew her earrings as like a design on the wall. I don't know if that's it though, but maybe. Does that not make perfect sense? Do you think that, what's her name? LaChance? Yeah. Cynthia LaChance. Do you think she was in here? She had seen in here before, she said. Hmm. Because she knew about all the stuff glued to the walls. Uh, but she confirmed that they had sold a bunch of paintings, uh, that Abigail had sold a bunch of paintings, and uh, that that was kind of abnormal, but that she was good. We were a little too late to actually go to the gallery, so I think that's a tomorrow job to go to the gallery and get uh, names of the buyers. All right. We did a little research on that uh, McAllister building, though, and uh, the hotel, too. Okay. Did you... Anything good? D- did the blueprints match the map that we have? Now, if we want the blueprints, it looks like they're in the city records. We did some of the history books in the research library. Did have some drawings and some and, and some pictures and things, and it looked pretty similar. I didn't see anything that uh, looked off, but looks like this place has always been three stories. And our map, our map has a, has a fourth story, so that's that's something weird place used to be some some fella's uh, house, Henry Lumdine. He sold it to the Star Corporation and our life bought it after that. Cynthia Lachance was also talking a lot about how the residents here won't allow them to do any renovations or changes to the building. Maybe it's just because they don't want the rents to go up, but I mean, you could see the place is falling apart. And she was pretty adamant that it's all their fault. That they can't make any changes. She also claims not to have ever heard of Castigue, which is who our, our friend down the hall had said gave uh, permission. Uh, there's no super. There's no building super. Never heard of Mark Rourke. A lot of didn't know anything and never heard of anything. I don't know. Some about her struck me as, uh, I think Darfur is the same, struck me as a little bit non-communicative. Yeah. But, um, you know, me and Bennett are thinking about sticking around tonight for a little bit and maybe uh, exploring the building at night. Uh, just uh, just for fun, you know, a little ghost story business. Um, see, I kind of want to check out this map at night and look around the building. You know, we haven't really looked upstairs at all. Thought it might be fun. Well, I could use a cigarette if you want to go up to the if you want to go up to the roof. Oh, yeah, sure. So, I wonder if it's worth maybe trying to see if there's an attic. Because if it's a fourth floor, it may not be a conventional parlor or a conventional anything else. It might just be an in-between space between the roof and the third floor, especially if this used to be a house. Agent Ward, voice of reason. Could be. So I guess the question is, do we all want to go? Like, do you guys want to take a look around like the roof and the second floor? And I can take O'Neill and we can try to find maybe one of those like door hatches that are in the ceiling rather than maybe another set of stairs. I feel like that's probably going to be more likely. Don't the like New York apartments have like, like, doors that lead to the roof like like in movies 
Sure, but I'm talking about in between. Ah, uh, yeah, let's go take a look. Anyways, I I would like to have a cigarette, so that gives me an excuse to go up to the roof. We can kind of start there too, as a group together, and then split up. I am out of dip. Uh, so I guess at that point we might as well go upstairs. Do we still have? Yeah, we should still have flashlights in the apartment because I didn't take it out with me. So I'm going to grab a flashlight, head upstairs and make it to the third floor and shine my flashlight up at the ceiling. Take a look around. Okay. Group decides to collectively go upstairs. Yeah. Okay. The walk up the stairs is uh, just a couple of floors, really. You get to the second, it's laid out very similarly to the ground floor. And you just continue around, just loop right around. And you walk up to the third floor. And on the third floor, again, very similar layout. Apartments, apartments. Some of these are, are empty. You all know that from the the building list, right? There's a a strange carpet pattern here played out on the third floor. It seems to run in these almost dizzying patterns left and right. You ever been in one of those hotels that sort of took the carpet art to the next level? And so like nobody really understands who in the right mind would lay out this carpet. It's one of these carpets here is probably fairly old as well. And you continue up towards the back, towards the front, shining your light back and forth. You realize that just by looking at your watch, it's fairly dark now. The building seems to get a little darker here on this floor. There's not as many lights on the third floor. You hear a dog barking in the distance. You're not sure if it's downstairs or if it's outside. It's kind of hard to pick out. But you see it. You see the door that leads to the rooftop. Come across it here. Just probably 10, 15 steps into the third floor. And yeah, it shows roof access. It's a faded white paint. You can smell cigarettes here. There's an old Hills Brothers coffee can. It's positioned near the top of the stair here by the roof access door. Yep, that's not the door I'm looking for. Okay. Because I'm I'm specifically looking for a trap door that leads into what would be an attic, like that you would see in an older building. You don't see any roof or any ceiling access doors. There's no trap pull-down cords to go to an attic. Okay. Can I go on the roof? Okay, yeah. You step out of the pack of the four of you and head towards the roof door step on through that roof access door uh, and as it opens I'll say that Agent Dartford is close enough to when you hike it out onto the roof door Dartford when O'Neill walks through the door behind the door is something you're not expecting it's not a roof at all it's not what you're expecting either O'Neill because there is no landscape, no cityscape of 
New York City stretching out as far as the eye can see. No, no. In fact, it is a beautiful and lavish Edwardian-style room with plush furniture, large bookcases lining the walls, and a very ambient smoke that exists in the air from a great many ashtrays in that room. They must have, like, built a cool building, like, room on the top of the roof to hang out in, right? Is there another door that leads to the roof? Yeah, your brain starts to scramble hard, and you get interrupted in your chain of thought as the door behind you shuts. Huh, God damn it. I was gonna say shuts just behind O'Neill or like in like in between us. In between you. Okay. You have no idea what you just saw. It makes no sense. Panic hits you like a bucket of water. There's supposed to be a roof there. Uh, I would kind of like I I feel like I would rush forward because O'Neill we're O'Neill is now in this strange place and we are separated by a door. And grab the door to pull it open. You grab the door and pull. It does not pull. Bennett, Bennett, help me get this door open. O'Neill's on the other side. Oh, I'll shout. O'Neill, hey, start banging on the door. There are no shouts that you hear from behind you, O'Neill. The only thing you hear is turn of the century jazz being played on a beautiful brass gramophone in the corner. You're pounding on the door. You're pounding on the door, Dartford. You're shouting for Bennett. This is something you obviously hear, Ward. Bennett, Ward, help. I'm, I'm scrambling with the key ring. Mm-hmm. Looking for a keyhole, trying to fit the right key in. You have the two keys here, but neither one of them fit. Um, you make an immediate deduction, Bennett, given your uh, perceptive nature. This is a push door, not a, not a pull door. What is this, a far side cartoon? And... I push the door. You push the door. Uh, when you push the door, Bennett, O'Neill, you get hit in the back with the door. And you sort of get pushed forward. Ah! Jesus. Therefore, what's the problem? O'Neill, you in there? There's not the, there's not the roof. Yeah, I'm right here. The room. Do I see a roof? You do not see a roof. Well, then I'm I'm holding on to this door with white knuckles. Okay. Well, if it's a push door, something to hold on. Ward, do you see this? Are we are we all going nuts right here? What is this? Well, I definitely don't see it because I'm still at the bottom of the stairs because I was looking for a trap door. <laughs> I shout down the bottom of the stairs. Ward, come see this. I'll come over and start walking up the stairs. Okay. First of all, sort of for some clarity for for you all, the stairs that lead to the roof door are a half set of stairs. It's not a full flight. And so if Ward is downstairs, you're literally down four stairs. You're not you're not that far. Unless you're down a full flight, and that's totally different. Well come check this up. They built like a smoking lounge up here. So what you're telling me is that 
the roof access is actually just the floor that we were looking for, according to the map. Yeah, they built something. Check it out. They must have built something, and I'm like looking around the room, like on the roof. Can you do that? You see a man walk into the this room at the far end. He's in a very uh, smartly tailored suit. It's older. It's a way older cut. He's got short cut hair. He's got a cigar in his mouth. And he uh, takes it out with a big smile and he goes, Hey, uh, you mind shutting that door? Mark? I know you? You hear him call from across the room. You're going to let all the flies in for cut's sake. Mark Rock? Is that you? Yeah, who the hell are you? I'm going to walk in and I'm going to drop my handle on the door. Okay. Who else is holding the door open? Me. Okay, Ward's there now holding the door open. I've stepped in and am not holding the door open. Yeah, I imagine I'm the last one. You probably are. He walks over to you, Bennett. You don't look familiar. No, I don't know. I don't know if we ever met, but uh, I was looking for Abigail. I heard that you might have saw her. Abby? Hmm. He takes a puff on the cigar. Abby, 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 Abby. I tell you, she's quite a looker. I wish she hadn't taken up with that encyclopedia salesman. He puffs on the cigar again. I'd have shown her a damn good time. So she ain't around anymore? No, no, she moved upstairs. To the fifth floor? Mm, sixth, I think. Last time I remember. Hmm. You see a dog come in from another hallway. A hallway you hadn't noticed that was connected to this room. There's uh, chairs in this lounge area. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, there's tons of chairs for you to sit. So I put on a good game and a good show, but now it just starts to hit me what's happening, possible room. I'm checking this person's clothing out and everything. And so I'm going to go find a chair and sort of fall into it. Try not to shake. I'll take some breaths. Yeah, I'm going to let the door close behind me. Mm-hmm. So you say that she moved to the sixth floor. Is there a way to get there from here where we are now? Well, sure. Use the damn stairs. <laughs> uh, are you new? Yeah. So where are the stairs out of this place to go up? Just down the hall. Fantastic. I'm going to go down the hall. <laughs> Which hall? There are four or five now that lead from this room. I'm going to take the one that goes north. Okay. So I'm going to ask as your handler's silly question, maybe. Which way is north? I don't know. Okay. I just want to be clear. I'm having a cigar, if you don't mind. Yeah, do you have another one? Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Shit, I'm sorry. Do you want something to drink? He uh, stands up and walks towards a, another portion of the room. And there's a beautiful wood bar with tons of brown liquors and all sorts of different glasses. I'm sure y'all thirsty. Without a doubt. No, I'm actually alright. And I'm gonna head down that left hallway. Okay. I'm looking for stairs. I'll get back to you in a minute. Mark passes uh, cigars out to anybody who's interested. Pours himself a drink. No thank you on that cigar, but oh, I would, I would, I could use a drink. Thank you very kindly. Not a problem. He uh, 
pours you two fingers of what smells like scotch neat. Passes it over. It's hard to get some of the good stuff here. I abstain from cigars and alcohol. I am going to keep my wits about me in this place. I, I pocket the cigar and then I got I got I'm not letting Ward go off on their own. They've already gone off on their own, but we'll get back to them shortly. Mark looks at you, Agent Dartford, and says, You a cop? Oh, no, I'm just pretending to be one. Oh, pretending. And then I realize what I've said to him. Uh, but I'm very, I'm very disoriented in this setting. So it's hard for, it would be hard for Dartford to keep up any semblance of a ruse or whatever, because I'm just completely disoriented and thrown off by this place. He comes around the bar a little bit. He says, uh, I get that you probably had a long day. That's why I offered you a drink, because usually tends to ease the pain a little bit. That's why we come here. This is our lounge, our place of relaxation, thankfully. Hard fought. He raises his glass to you, Bennett, and downs it. Mm. Oh. Ooh. Hey, Drew Broomstrong. Well, I guess you'll be going. He uh, goes back towards a plush leather chair, pulls a book out from one of the bookshelves and sits down, cracks it open. Yeah, I guess. This is a strange question, Mark, but this is the McAllister building, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why you ask? Actually, is uh, is the super around somewhere? The who? Mister Castigue. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, he's around. He's got a place. It's not far from here. Oh, can you give me uh, directions or like uh, tell me how to get there? Or does he come down here often? The parlor? Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. You understand? He is um, well. To be honest, he's a little bit of a prude. He gestures with the open pages of the book that he's reading, and you see a smattering of Victorian-era erotica. All sorts of people in strange positions. Is that your ex-husband? In the picture, or is he asking me that about casting you? No, in the picture, like when you look at the book, your ex-husband is in a very strange position. You are not that, that's got to be a... There's no way that's him. Yeah, I, I feel both nostalgic and disgusted. As is right and proper. Yes. but And also very confused, but also not surprised. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uncanny. The resemblance to Adam here is way, way too close. Hold on. Can I see that? Oh, yeah, sure. Come here. He hands the book over to you. I think I know this person. This is my ex-husband. Really? Well, if uh, that is your ex-husband, I, I guess I have to ask, how flexible is he? He puffs on the cigar. I mean, good enough that we stayed married longer than we should have. Well, congratulations. And perhaps condolences either way. That's so weird. Oh. Well, that's definitely him. And you were not aware that he was as... um. We'll just say free thinking with some of his um, sexual desires. It's all splayed out there fairly graphically, too. There's positions, there's implements, 
There's costuming. Communication was never Adam's strong point, nor was it Aaron's. Well, uh, yes, uh, the Castigan, the night manager is here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could you uh, directions where he might be? Which of these many hallways or? (laughs) He's not far at all, actually, and is like the same time very far away. So he's rarely outside his room. But if you head down that hallway, he points to one of the hallways that leads out on the right-hand side of the smoking lounge here. You'll find that old codger. I appreciate your assistance. Of course. I mean, that is what we are here to do. Right? We help one another. So, Agent Ward, you took off of your own volition in a different direction than everybody else. And so... The first thing I'd like you to do is make a sand roll. Of course. I got an 11 under 79. Okay. You lose a point of sanity from the unnatural. And as you do, you see the hallway that you turn into that you know has no hallways adjacent to it. They don't turn or move. There's no doors. As you're walking down them, you see a figure at the end of the hall appear. They appear at a T-junction which didn't exist seconds ago. But now they're there, standing in the hallway. And that figure is very, very known to you. You haven't seen your sister in ages. And when she sees you at the other end of the hall, she bolts down the hallway away from you. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm chasing. Certainly, at some point you will, and we'll likely get to that during the next portion of our show. For now, though, we'd like to say goodnight. And to our agents who've reached the night floors, we'd like to say good luck. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.